past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Hello and welcome to The Career Confidant. And we're going to jump right in today with our guest, Deb West, who is the founder and CEO of HEQ. And Deb, you are one of those marvelous people who can help individuals just see their blind spots and I've enjoyed working with you and working with clients who are working with you so I'm so glad that you're here to join us today. Thank you and it's a pleasure to be here. And when we talk about emotional intelligence I think that there's so many misconceptions because people think about it as the same as you know intellectual intelligence and um, so let's start there. What are some of the misconceptions you hear people have about emotional intelligence, and what what is it? Great. Um, the, the misconceptions are pretty easy, because any time that you use the word emotion or even worse, feelings, um, it's scary for people, because um, sometimes they think, uh, when I'm coaching them or when I'm training, that um, this means I'm going to make them be feeling people all the time, and that's not what emotional intelligence is in any way, shape, or form. It is different from IQ. It is EQ. Um, but it really is about sitting in self-awareness, which is knowing who you are and knowing what your feelings are. So sitting in self-awareness um, and also being aware of others. So that's a sense of empathy. That's about me getting outside of myself enough to see what's going on around me. Then it's about managing my emotions. So that's a fun one, which is, you know, do I ever let my emotions get bigger than me? And if so, how do, I, how do I learn to not do that and to express myself differently? And then it's about managing healthy relationships. So, that, so there's four parts to it that are all based in emotion, based in um, knowing what's going on inside me and based in what's going on inside others. But it is not about being in that feeling place all the time. That would be way too vulnerable. Right, and not really aware of others, because that would mean we're just aware of us, or we're just aware of others. Right. It, that balance is really important. Exactly, exactly. That's, that's the goal, right? Because if I'm only aware of myself, what's going on? A, a lot of, I'm missing a lot of things outside of me, um, and we talk about you know, too big a self-focus. That gets in the way of me knowing what's going on with you. And in life, I need to know what's going on with you, because I care about you. So it's both. It's all of it in balance. Yes. That's a really good point. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because we hear a lot right now about narcissistic behavior and people who are empaths. And that can tend to play into these misconceptions as well. Sure. Well, if you, um, I wasn't going to use the word narcissist, but seeing as you brought it up, it's great. Um, when, when somebody is too self-focused, um, the, the extreme of that, the extreme of that is narcissism. And narcissism really is um, me only looking at the world in terms of how it affects me. And it doesn't allow another human being to get into the picture to impact the story or change the outcome. So narcissism is an extreme of that. 
Um, but that's not what we're looking for. That's a dysfunctional level of self-awareness. And then, let's see, I, I do an emotional intelligence assessment, and the highest score you can get on some of the competencies is 15. Empathy is one of those competencies. When somebody scores a 15 in empathy, which originally when I first started doing the assessment made me go, yeah, sweet, this person has a lot of empathy. But what's really true about that is that they possibly have too much empathy. So they connect too much to the people that are outside of them with their feelings um, and with their thoughts. And what happens then if I connect too much outside of me is that I lose my sense of self. So, you know, the words you used are the extremes of both sides, right? Narcissism and being an empath. We don't want either of those. We want a beautiful place in the middle where I'm aware of me in the moment and I'm also aware of you, which is really the healthiest and best way I could be with someone. And you said something earlier because you went through the four areas, right? Know ourselves, Uh be able to know or um, sense others, manage ourselves, and you said to not have our relation or to not have our emotions be bigger than us. What did you mean by that? Um, the if I if I had a visible uh, way to be visible, I would I would show it to you. But basically. Um, in an adult place, right? If I'm a grown up, if I'm an adult place and I'm in charge of what I'm feeling, then I'm going to be able to express that feeling in a simple way that works. So I am going to be able to say to someone, I am frustrated or I am angry or even I am happy and I am sad. And so I filter those feelings through a cognitive process that helps me talk about those feelings. And um, that also helps people listen easier to those feelings because I'm not expressing them full-blown. But if I'm not in charge of my feelings, if my feelings get bigger than me, then those feelings are what everyone sees. And um, for everybody listening, it's really easy. We all know people, we, we talk about they get out of control, right? Um, that they're really angry, that they're really sad, that those feelings are way too big. Um, that's that's damaging. That's damaging to me as a human being, but that's also damaging to the relationships that I'm in because it can be overwhelming. I mean, I have a I represent, I represent that fact, Marie. I have a way of getting um, my letting my feelings. I'm a very passionate human being, and I'm aware of my feelings a lot. But there are times when there is um, there are triggers that we all have, and those triggers are going to make those feelings get bigger just by the trigger. So one of my triggers is injustice, right? I'm a, I'm a social worker um, in my heart, and I, um, I am an advocate for um, people that need to have advocacy. So injustice doesn't work well for me, and that can make my anger get really, really big. And if I'm not really aware of it, and if I'm not on top of that, it'll get bigger than me, and then I will do damage um, to myself and to the relationships around me. Also, I'm, I may not like injustice, but if my feelings, if my anger is too big, nobody's going to listen to me anyway. Mm. So it's a- and that's where the emotional intelligence comes into our careers, right? Is that these are skills that we can learn to master. And if we don't, it 
makes it hard for us to be effective, which goes to that point you're just saying. If our emotions are bigger than us, no one's listening. Right. That's that's very, very right. And um, and it and the damage is um, it's pretty clear also. So, you know, I put my two hands out in front of me and I say, this is me. And then I put my hands inside, smaller inside there, and I say, this is my feelings. So I'm in charge of those feelings. And, and if I'm in charge of those feelings, somebody can hear me when I say, you know, I'm really frustrated um, today about this. But if those feelings are outside of my adult hands, then I'm doing damage to the relationship and no one for sure is listening. And we all know people like that. I mean, the statistic is really clear. It used to be 87, I think. 78% of people leave their jobs because of a manager that they cannot um, build relationship with. And Mm. most of that time, it's because a manager has feelings that are too big and out of control. Yes, I've seen that. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen that. So what can our listeners do to better manage themselves and better relate to others? What are some of the most frequent things you work with people on? Um, Okay, so self-awareness, it all starts there, right? And you know this, but um, the foundational piece of being emotionally intelligent is my self-awareness. So I work a lot with people. Um, I mean, I have handouts and I have forms, but the bottom line is I'm just really asking them to check in. So in, in one of the handouts I use, it says you check in when you wake up, you know, you check in when you're in the kitchen and you're making your coffee and your kids are trying to get their act together to go to school. Um, you check in. And by checking in, I mean, you, you really go inside and say, what, what is going on with me right now? What am I feeling? So then I have them check in on their way to work, several times at work, and then on their way home. And the, the fun part of it, um, I use the word fun because it's fun for me, but the enlightening part of it is you actually get to know what's going on inside you during those times of the day. And most of the time, <coughs> we sit, we do autopilot. We, just, we don't go in. We don't check. We just do our day. We get things done. We talk to people. But we don't go inside and really look at things. So the one I think that gives us a lot of the most information is what does it feel like when I'm going to work? So when I'm going to work, am I anxious? Am I upset? Am I frustrated? What are those feelings that I'm taking into the beginning of the day that if I don't know they're there might, might just get me in a little bit of trouble because I'll be acting on them without knowing them? Mm. Does that make sense? Right, and you may just be <laughs> one of my um, cr- employees. She'd say, "I'm just crispy today," and that was, you exactly. know, you just wake up and there's not really any reason. You're just kind of off, and if you don't check with that and you don't do it, then you're going to react very from good. that place. Yep. Very, yeah, very good, very good. So she, you know, she knew something was off. Right, it was crispy, um, but she didn't. She didn't go in and really say, "What? What is this about?" What, what is going on here? So, yeah, well, and I think she might have, but she knew better than to share it all at work, right? So she'd just kind of yeah. say, I'm just having a crispy day. So, you know, did I, I, sorry I was short there or whatever, you know, she'd mm-hmm. be 
saying that. And she didn't go into all the details. She knew that she could if she needed to with me, but that she she just needed to let me know that she was having an off day and I could give her a little bit more space. And, and that's kept our relationship, right? Versus me doing yeah, something beautiful. that she's going to blow up at. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's a, that's a really, really great example because, you know, technically in your example with her, you're using all four quadrants, right? You're using the all four quadrants of emotional intelligence because you're communicating in a way that builds the relationship. You have some sense of empathy with what she's feeling and you're connected to, what was her word? Crispy? No. <laughs> what was her word? Yeah, yeah crispy. crispy. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, again, what we, what we just take for granted is adult communication, right? Is that really good communication is what you did with her. And yeah, and you. it's it doesn't have to be um, it doesn't have to be rocket science. No, no. So in people, fact, it isn't it isn't rocket science. Well, and as you said, it starts with that self awareness and people being right. self aware and checking in. What, what other steps can people take that are are concrete here to have better emotional intelligence? Okay, so the other one when we talk about managing our feelings, right? What I have people look at is what are your triggers? Because if you can be in awareness of what trips you, right? What what is is a person on your team at work always coming in late? Is that a trigger? Is you doing the majority of the work on a team when other people are not? Is that a, know what makes you feel frustrated or angry or upset? Because if you know it, then you can deal with it. So mm-hmm. I have a whole form where it really goes. Look at your trigger. Look at what you what you uh, what your belief is inside. Look at what you say. And then on another line, let's turn this around. Let's say you you're aware of this trigger. How would you do it differently? Yeah, and this is a great one to practice with family, yeah. right? If you're going oh, to a family God. event and you think, uh-huh. oh, every time I go to this family event, I get in a fight with so-and-so. Think about yep. why does it happen? How can I handle it differently? <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. I have a brother who I love dearly who is just intent on being all-knowing. <laughs> and And he's also intent on being right. So if you put those two things together, I want to punch him, right? I guess I want to punch him. And instead of me doing that, you know, I sit down and have a conversation about how it feels to me when he talks like that. And he, this, we just had a, uh, two weeks in the summer we were together and he actually listened. He actually went, whoa, whoa, Deb. So that's how you feel. So he, because I wasn't saying, Okay, because I wasn't saying you're an idiot and you need to stop talking like that, right? Instead, I said, wow, this, this doesn't feel good to me. It feels scary or it feels frustrating when you use the words that you use. Can we talk about that? And I happened to have a brother who said, yeah, we can talk about that. Now, you'll love this, though, Marie. He's, the first thing he said was, yeah, we can talk about that, but you know I'm right. <laughs> So it took us a while, it took us a while to just get to him being able to say, "Oh my goodness, yes, of course I talk like that." So here's just a little aside. Our there are five of us, and my dad was a minister, a very charismatic minister, and a minister 
a traditional minister does tend to know what's right and wrong, right? That's how they preach. So we all sort of got a piece of that in our family. Um, I mean, we're, we're not ministers, but we definitely got a piece of we're right. And that has gotten me in so much trouble, I cannot even tell you. <laughs> so that's one of my triggers. It's great. So, yeah, so you can. Well, and we see that a lot in places because people are connected to the fact that if they're right, they're more valuable. And exactly. that can be a hard exactly. thing to work through is that you don't have to be right to be valuable. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, and you learned that somewhere, right? You, you learned that that's connected. And some with age and experience, you just get to chuckle a little bit and go, oh, my God, are you kidding me? You know, why is my right any better than your right? Because my story is going to be different from yours. So part of that is, is just taking a deep breath, which I say all the time in my trainings. It's just the first thing you've got to do is pause. You've just got to pause because your knee-jerk reaction is probably not going to be good. <laughs> yeah, because most of our programming is not which is interesting, right? Most of us are not programmed to interact well with others from our knee-jerk reactions. Isn't, isn't that amazing? It is. No, we're not. We are not. We are not taught to interact with others hardly at all, right, in a healthy way. We, we have to learn that. You know, listening yeah, is well, really, 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 really um, go ahead. basic. Go ahead. Oh, no, our basic desire is to self-preserve, um, and that's not always the best relationship place yeah exactly yeah that's a really good point as well you know if 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 i'm protecting myself right which is preservation if that's what i'm doing that's i'm not going to be ready and available to a a good adult healthy relationship yeah i'm just not going to be and you know nobody i never had a class in healthy relationships i don't know if you did but man i went all the way through to my master's degree and still never had a class on, oh my, what is a healthy relationship? Yeah. So we have to learn well, and I think as we that's go. what I love about the assessment that you use and the work that you do with people is that it's very nuanced. I mean, there, you've got these four main categories, but there's a lot of different skills that go inside of them. Yes. Yes, very, very true. I, I picked this assessment, which is the Institute for Social and Emotional Intelligence. It's their assessment. I picked it because of its complexity. Um, 26 competencies inside those four emotional intelligence characteristics so that there could be more nuance, you know, so that there, there, there are all kinds of ways to look at what is building a healthy relationship. You know, how good are your communication skills? Do you build bonds? Do you trust people and do people trust you? Those are all part of self-awareness and relationship building with emotional intelligence. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, well, and as you were saying earlier, you know, the empathy and helping people understand when they have really low empathy that that's something they can work on and it's a skill they can build. And and then if they have really high empathy, how are they using that skill and, and maybe how is it getting in their way at times? Yes. Yes. And I mean, I, I believe this. People say, yeah, right, that people can learn how to be empathetic. Y- yeah, you can. You know, mm-hmm. every, every emotional intelligence skill that I work with, you can learn the skill. 
that's the exciting part of it, right? The exciting part of it is it's all about behaviors, and we can change behaviors, um, and we can learn new ones. So of course I can I can learn how to how to have more of a connection to another human being. Now for some of us that's pretty easy because we either no we didn't come in that way that's not true, um, but we learned that skill, and for others of us we never learned it and. So I spend time in my office coaching that skill, um, which which is learnable, and that that's the piece. You know, we don't come in either empathetic or not empathetic. We come in pretty much with clean slates. Well, um, we're going to we take a, a short. Yeah, we're going to take a short break here. So if you're listening, stay with us. Just to let you know, this show, we're very happy that this show has been brought to you by the U.S. Career Institute. And if you're looking for a new career or some extra cash, the U.S. Career Institute has a program for you. For over 35 years, they've helped people prepare for legitimate work-at-home job opportunities in the healthcare industry, like medical coding and billing. So you can go create medical reports for doctors, be your own boss, choose your hours, and you can learn to do this in as little as four months. So you can study anywhere at home at your own pace and get a get this training from the U.S. Career Institute. And they are accredited and they have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau so that you know you're getting a good training from them. And if you'd like to get more information on that, you can visit workfordoctors.com backslash career and enroll with the code career, C-A-R-E-E-R, by Monday, October 7th to get 25% off tuition. So again, that's workfordoctors.com backslash career and learn about this opportunity that the U.S. Career Institute's providing to get training in the healthcare field. So we are going to take a short break and we'll come back and continue talking about emotional intelligence. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we're talking with Deb Westcott from Coach EQ. And Deb, you work with people of all levels within organizations working on their emotional intelligence. And then you're also training coaches. And one of the main skills I know we talk about that people can work on to be more emotional intelligent is really quite simple, but not easy. What is that? It's, yeah, it's um, being able to listen, being able to listen to another human being. And we, you know, we call it active listening. We, we call it all kinds of things. But, but the bottom line is, when I teach about listening, what I teach is that it is the largest and most precious gift that we can give to another human being, which is to really listen. Um, I think that's part of why therapy works as well as it does. That, and on, on some level, the same with coaching. And that's that um, people come into my office and they have a length of time where they know I will be present with them, I will pay attention verbally and non-verbally, and I will actually hear what it is they're saying. And the sad part about that is you shouldn't have to go into therapy or coaching um, to have that happen. But, but part of coaching is about um, taking an hour to just slow down because what gets in the way of listening is um, there's this great coach who calls, uh, when our brains start overworking, he calls it monkey brain. And um, what we talk about is, so I have a slide that has, it now has 15 um, things that get in the way of us listening to each other. And when I, when I talk about this, what I say is those are my 15. You know, you, you could have your own 15. But we move so fast in this world and we are always so busy cognitively that the listening doesn't always happen. Um, and there are, um, type in listening on YouTube, you'll come up with all kinds of cartoons and fun things about how we don't listen to each other. And our intent is to listen. So I, I don't, I'm not putting people down when I say we don't listen. We want to listen. I mean, when I'm, when I'm, um, when my son is coming home from school and he's telling me about his day, of course I want to listen, right? When I'm working with an executive leader in an organization, I need to be listening. But there are all 
all kinds of things that get in the way of us listening. So in my brain, and Marie, I'm sure you can share some of yours. In my brain, I'm, um, I'm not listening to the other person. I'm preparing what I'm going to say. So I miss half of what the other person is going to say. Or I start problem solving immediately. I start trying to fix the problem instead of just listening and being present for that other person. So one of the exercises to take a look at it in, in a really solid way of self-awareness is what gets in the way of me paying attention? Sometimes it is as simple as this person is talking to me and I'm writing a grocery list in my head because I've got to hit the grocery store before I go home and cook dinner. So number one is know what's in the way. And work on on moving away from that. So uh, nowadays we talk about mindfulness and being present. That's what has to be there for listening. So before I listen, regardless of who I'm listening to, I take a deep breath and I center myself. I just work on being as close to 100% present as I can. Now, I don't think anybody really can be 100% present, but so that I can be of service to the person that I am listening to. And that is so much easier said than done because of all the distractions that get in the way. So, Marie, think about a, a distraction that you have that gets in the way of your listening. I'm a what's next kind of person, not necessarily but as you were saying, like the the grocery list, the, uh-huh. you know, what else do I have to do today? Um, yeah, it's really it's difficult to slow your mind down. Right, right, and and especially because we move as fast as we do, you know. So when someone you know someone walks by me in the hall and they say, "Hey, Deb, how are you?" They don't they don't mean that because because they would stop and they would breathe and they would listen to what I had to say was how I am. But when somebody just walks by me in the hall and say, hey, Deb, how are you? What I always just say is fine because I know that's, that's what they want to hear. But if somebody really wants to hear how I am, then, then they want to listen to me because they care about me and because they want to hear things other than that I'm fine um, or that I'm okay, those kinds of pieces. So um, the other thing is to find people in your lives, around you, at work and at home, that will learn how to listen well. Because, okay, if you have really had somebody listen to you and and hear you and understand you, there there isn't anything that feels any better. Mm -hmm. Because you know that they're there with you. So, you know, I talk about my trifecta. I talk about... um, really active listening skills, asking powerful questions, and sitting in empathy. So part of my listening is being present for that other person. And instead of me telling a story about myself or uh, me hijacking the conversation to talk about what I want to talk about, you know, my goal is to ask questions. My goal is to listen well. My goal is to connect with them on some kind of emotional level. There isn't, in my humblest of opinions, anything more valuable I can give another human being. It's profound. It has nothing to do about what you're going to say. And this is what I 
see people struggle with in job search and especially in networking is that we can get so focused on what am I going to say? And then we can't forget that the whole point of relationships isn't about what we're going to say. As you said, it's really about listening and being there for the other person. Yes. Yes, because we we don't have many people in our lives that can do that. You know, there's that great phrase that says, what everyone needs is good talking to. Well, one of my, one of my slides says, what everyone needs is a good listening to. You know, mm. I think we, we, we want so bad to be heard um, by another human being. And we're yeah, in one of general. your other. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. One of your other things that gets in the way of listening is is jumping in to solve the problem. And okay. I think yeah. that gets a lot of bosses in trouble because they're trying to help the person on their team solve a problem, but they're not really listening and and helping the person solve the problem themselves. It's beautiful. Beautiful. You couldn't have said that any better. You know, when I when I teach leadership, which is you know, inside managers and supervisors, um, the quickest way to get rid of somebody in your office is to solve their problem for them, and that's the last thing anybody should do. You're right. As as a leader, as a manager, for you, it's my job to listen, ask good questions, and help direct you so that you go, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Mm. Parenting is very similar, Marie. Parenting is very similar. You know, we, we tend to tell kids what to do all the time. And particularly in adolescence, we need to be listening and not talking. So it, it, it works both in the workplace and at home. Yes, and actually some of the most uh, profound breakthroughs I've had coaching people at work is actually at home. Uh, One gentleman that realized he wasn't listening to his son, he was telling him what to do, and Mm -hmm. we were going through this content uh, per his job and and talked about how he could practice some of the concepts at home. And in one of our sessions, he said this had completely changed his relationship with his just to realize that when he got home, he could be there to listen to him and really take an interest instead of either feeling like he needed to unwind or getting into that problem-solving mode with when his son was dealing with things at school. Yes. You know, parenting is not preach, preach teach and solve. It, it just isn't. And it's, it's what we all learned. It's probably what our parents did. Um, but, you know, you are so spot on that the, the best thing I can do, particularly, I mean, when my son, son was an adolescent, it took everything I owned to listen because I just really did want to say, what are you doing, But This is what you should be doing. And instead I would just say, well, let's look at this. Let's just talk about this a little bit. And, you know, yeah. now he's the a... Three year, the three-year-old is challenging me right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, now that's true, too, right? <laughs> I love it. I love it, yes. Yes. And it's true all the way up. He's a, he's a big mucky muck in an organization right now. And, you know, when he calls to talk to me, I still, um, unless, unless somewhere in there he says, Mom, from your experience, what do you think? I will tell him. 
but other, otherwise I will listen and I will feedback what I hear and I will value him until he finds the answers, until he finds the place um, that he wants to find. That's so powerful for the coaches that are listening, for the bosses that are listening, for the parents that are listening. And even as a coworker, this being able to listen and ask good questions is just so powerful. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's um, when I first started in this business and, um, and I started the coaching with, with um, executive leaders and I, I would leave really saying, you are paying me for this? You are paying me to help you learn how to listen better. It was like, whoa, because it seems like it's so simple, but it isn't so simple. No, especially when we, as I was saying earlier, we tend to think our value is wrapped up in what we say and what we know and what we do, mm-hmm. not in mm-hmm. the way we interact with people. Yes. Yes. Well, Deb, you have just been a delight. I would like you to share with people where they can learn about you, get connected to you, learn more about what you do. Um, Okay, so my website is www.coacheq.com. And you can find me at Coach EQ also on LinkedIn and Facebook. And then my direct email is um, debit. This is my direct email. <laughs> yep. Well, it's got to be debatcoachyq.com. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my correct. That's it. So, deb at coachyq.com um, is how they can get me directly in an email. And, you know, if, right. if any of you are listening, you, if you just have questions, I am really open to just answering an email. Yeah, that's excellent. And you post some magnificent emotional intelligence related content on LinkedIn. I, I follow there. Thank so you. thank you for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. And if you go online um, and you want to be, um, I've got a newsletter that comes out that also talks about sort of up and coming stuff with, with emotional intelligence. If you go on my website, you can sign up for that as well. Excellent. So coacheq.com. Thank you, Deb. We're going to take a short break and come back here. I'll give you one more tool for our last few minutes, but we're going to say goodbye to Deb, and thank you so much for sharing your expertise. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. It was very fun. Yeah, we'll be back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America 
is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to the Career Confidant. And today we we're talking with Deb Westcott of Coach EQ. And Deb and I were talking about the power of listening and as a coach, as a leader, even as a, a colleague, this can be so powerful to building relationships with other people when they feel like you're really there and you're there to listen. This is also one of the biggest components of charisma. So when people talk about, oh, that person's so charismatic and you know, it must be something you're born with. Although there is probably an element of all of these things that you're born with, it's also a skill that we can learn and and we can do this. You too can be charismatic simply by being a good listener, asking questions and really paying attention to what other people need, what they're saying and how you can add value for them. And a lot of the value, honestly, that you can offer people is really just listening and, and being there for them and not making it all about us, which is the, the challenge, especially when we might be needing something from them, and job seeking or managing them and needing them to do something a certain way. It's really hard to not just want to get to the point and tell them what to do when there's much data around the efficacy of doing that differently. And Deb and I were chatting about parenting and parenting really challenges your desire to want to tell someone else how to to do something or what to do because it just doesn't work. Um, They ended up, you know, if they're three, they ended up as melted little puddles on the floor throwing a fit because they are just done with telling them what to do all the time. And we might not do that as adults, but inside we all are doing it and it's just not effective and that's the the hard part uh, about leading and coaching is avoiding that desire for all of us i recently had some people kind of chatting on linkedin about coaching etc and people that saying oh you know i'm a, a coach i haven't had training but i'm really good and i always think hmm coaching is not a skill that we come by naturally. I know very few people who are a natural coach. Most of us, our nature is to give advice. Our nature is to tell others what to do. Even if it's veiled in a story about somebody else, it really is advice. And coaching 
may use some of those tools, but the real power of coaching is helping someone come to their own realizations, their own answers, and design their own actions, which is our challenge as a manager as well as a, a coach might look a little bit different for managers, but they'll get the most out of their people if they take a very similar approach in getting people to have buy-in and take actions that are their own instead of things that are always dictated from the top. One of the other tools that Deb and I talk about when we talk about emotional intelligence and a couple of years ago now, all of these ideas are not new, so uh, something that we teach over and over again is really about our transactional it's called transactional analysis and it's about where are we coming from when we interact with others and Deb said a couple of times you know you're adult that they coming from an adult place that you're acting like an adult and that isn't just a colloquial phrase that is based in transactional analysis which talks about our three parts our parent which can be nurturing or critical, our adult, which is that adult place, and then our child, which can be okay or not okay. And some other people will use a different vernacular than that, but that's the one that I use. So a parent can be critical, you know, don't do that. You can see the waving finger and no, very few people going to react positively to that, right? that nagging critical parent then you have the nurturing parent which is kind of soothing telling you you're okay and there's a positive piece of that and it can be overdone if you've ever felt mothered at work that person was probably kind of default from their nurturing parent where they treat everyone like a child and it's not in a negative critical way but even that can be overdone then we have our child which that not okay child is the three-year-old and you know all of the negative reactions that we're going to emotionally have can come from that not okay child place and then you've got your okay child free child and that's the one that's funny that likes to laugh and that can be a good thing but of course we know that that can also be overdone so it's the adult that regulates this it's the adult that says okay someone's coming to me with their not okay child and they're upset I can choose to go into a nurturing parent and try to help them feel better sometimes that's going to backfire on me or I can stay in my adult and ask them questions be comforting, but not as emotional. Be straightforward. Have that even keel in my approach. Not void of emotion, but not emotion. So I'm recognizing their emotions. I'm talking to them, but I'm not getting emotional. Deb talked about that. She was using the example of her brother, and her brother's that know-it-all, and it gets her angry. She says she wants to punch him in the face, right? That's that not okay child feeling. And instead she comes from adult. She tells him how it makes her feel. How she feels, not how it makes her feel. Important vernacular there. So I feel this when you do that. 
and take ownership for that feeling, take responsibility, and yet communicate it that from that adult place. When we're in a work environment, a lot of times the patterns get set just like families. And you've got people that walk in the office most days coming from their not okay child or people that walk in the office most days coming from that critical parent and everyone's kind of responding to that. So as you think about that, think about where you think you default and how you can adjust that for your next interaction. We're going to be back here again next week on The Career Confidant, and we'll have a new guest for you and new materials, so we hope that you'll join us. And if you have any ideas or thoughts or questions, you're always welcome to share those with me at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at careerthoughtleaders.com. And we look forward to seeing you right back here again next week on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.